the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Besides every Saturday, you can also join Josh Mondays at 12.30 p.m. for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. It is spelled A-P-T-U-S, the word wealth, dot com. And to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Zero, zero. This week, we are featuring some of the most memorable segments from the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. We've had a lot of fun over the months, and what better way to kick off the show than by going all the way back to where it all started? Our first segment, when you got to know Josh for the very first time on the radio. Diane, how are you? It's great to be here. I am great. Great to have you here. I'm going to tell the public a little bit about you. Josh is an investment advisor, founded the Aptus Group of Companies in 2003, now consisting of an entity consulting to financial planners and one that focuses specifically on individual wealth management. Josh is too humble to tell you this, but he is a well-known speaker and member of the Million Dollar Roundtable's highest honor, Top of the Table. He frequently hosts public educational workshops in the community on a variety of financial and retirement topics. Josh is also frequently requested to speak nationally to groups of financial professionals in various universities in the areas of retirement planning, social security, and tax-efficient income distribution. Josh, tell us how you got into the financial field. Well, you know, like most people, I guess, you know, I I went to college. Uh, That's how I get into the financial field. But I don't think that tells the the whole story. Um, My father passed away when I was young, when I was 13 years old. He got you know, cancer, one of those freak kind of things, and ended up uh, passing away. And as a result of that, you know, you learn really quickly, even at a young age, from the outside looking in, you can kind of see what happens when that occurs. And what I saw was a bunch of people show up that, you know, maybe had my mother's best interests at heart, or maybe had their own best interests at heart. And they were trying to, quote, help, but uh, a lot of mistakes were made in that process. And I, I see the outcome of that. Now, my mom being in her in her late 60s, and seeing the impact of, of poor planning over a really long period of time. And, and not that we struggled by any means. I grew up very middle class, but, you know, it wasn't always easy. So I didn't know at the time when that occurred 
that I would end up where I am today. But when I was in college and a lot like a lot of people, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. You know, come my sophomore year, I had to make a decision as to what I wanted to pursue. And you start doing a little bit of soul searching. And I realized that I like math, number one, but two, I like helping people. Teaching has always been one of my favorite activities. I've, I've taught a lot of different things in my life. Um, so I wanted to teach and I wanted to help people. When I got out of college, I kind of drifted away from that a little bit. Uh, you know, I wanted to work in corporate America and have the fancy suit. So what I ended up doing was doing kind of the business to business end of financial planning, which what that means, if you don't know, um, there's two sides of the financial services industry. There's the client facing side, the, fa the, the side that is meeting with clients every day and helping them achieve their goals, et cetera. But then there's also this support side of the business. Uh, so you can work for financial institutions like a uh, a nationwide insurance or a fidelity or one of these different companies and you're essentially helping the financial advisor create the financial plan or you're helping the financial advisor stay in tune with the best products i did that for quite some time and actually started a company in 2003 um, uh, under the aptus moniker and that company's still very much in business a uh, multi-million dollar company we're doing financial plans for about 600 financial planners all around the country uh, but I realized as I was doing that, that I was losing that personal connection with the, uh, with the client. And I, I think, you know, in life, you're always trying to figure out uh, how do I, I make a living, but at the same time have some sort of purpose. And uh, that purpose was gone. I missed that connection. So I went back that direction and uh, ended up going to the, the financial advising side. And of course, as is always the case, you know, I'd been doing financial planning since uh, before 2000. But then I decided I wanted to go back to the, the client side of things in 2008, right at the beginning of 2008. So uh, get into the financial planning business and right before the, the dot-com bubble drops since 2000, and then I get away from the consulting side of it to go into the financial advising side of it in 2008, and here we go again with the financial crisis. Um, so it's been a, it, it, it's been a great, uh, I, I view that as a great thing. Um, I learned, you know, that it's not always rosy and Proper planning is, is very important, and, and don't get too ahead of yourself. We'll get into that more, I'm sure, when we talk. But uh, that's how I got into it, and I've, I've really known nothing else. I've done financial advising or financial planning in some capacity my whole life. You say it is incredibly satisfying helping clients plan their financial future, and in a way, you're actually protecting them. If you think about, for most people, they work their whole life. It's not always easy to get through the process of your financial world, meaning that you run into speed bumps. You know, you have... Maybe get laid off for a job or something occurs along the way. You lose a loved one or, or all these different kind of events that occur. you got to send a kid to college. Um, and to be able to kind of ease some of that burden, and I truly believe that knowledge is power. And simply just understanding the roadmap, understanding what you need to do is incredibly empowering. Nine times out of ten when I, when I speak with people and they come to the office and I say, what, what scares you or what are you here for? What is your concerns? It's almost always the fear of the unknown. And a lot of the information is known. Uh, we don't know what order it's going to occur, but we can take steps to prepare ourselves for it. So being able to just essentially let people know what their options are, let them know how to protect themselves in the future is, is incredibly rewarding. And I see it when they, when they retire. We have kind of retirement parties when people come in and, you know, we give them a bottle of wine or, or something like that. And you see them, you know, it all paid off and now they get to do what they wanted to do their whole career. So um, yeah, I would say it's incredibly rewarding. Tell us more about Aptus Wealth Management. Uh, well, we're a fiduciary, and I think that's really important. Um, I think, you know, if I was going to give anybody advice of who they wanted to work with, whether it was me or anybody else, I would say step one, go with a fiduciary. I know that gets a lot of, you know, kind of publicity as, as of late here. What is a fiduciary? But essentially, there are two ways you can be governed in this business. Way number one is 
Uh, I'm a broker, and I don't begrudge anybody who's a, a broker, stockbroker, you know, sales professional, whatever you want to call them, but they get paid commissions. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work out there that get paid commissions. I'm not saying anything faulty of that, but the, the confines in which they operate can be faulty. Uh, what I mean by that is they're only governed by what is suitable for you. So sounds fair enough, right? You got to do what's suitable for me. But if, if I lived in Florida and I needed new tires on my car, the place that I bought my tires could sell me snow tires. And as long as they fit my car, they're suitable for my car, right? But that does not mean that they're in my best interest. And a fiduciary has to do what is in your best interest. Meaning in that example of the car, I would have to research what are the best tires? What are you doing with your car? Uh, what's the best price for those tires? Price shop, compare, et cetera. So Aptus Wealth Management is very much a fiduciary uh, our goal is first and paramount, what is your scenario and what fits you? And that is always at the top of the top of the table. So let's say I come into your office. Can you explain the process and what you go through? Yeah, it's a four-step process. You can view this on our website, aptuswealth.com. Step one is, is literally us just getting to know one another. What are you hoping to accomplish by doing this planning? Uh, my first question is always going to be, what would you consider to be a win at the end of this journey? Uh, let's find out what you have. Let's inventory the resources that you have to accomplish what you want to do. But first and foremost, what do you want to do? Uh, and that is different for everybody. There, sure, there's some commonalities, but it's different for everybody. Meeting number two is then let's lay out the blueprint, meaning that let's figure out, uh, and this kind of boils over between meeting two and meeting three, let's show you where you are in meeting two show you where some gaps are, show you what's getting in the way, and maybe get into the blueprint. But by meeting three, we're certainly going to get into the blueprint. And meeting three is, how do we solve your problems? Here is the roadmap, the blueprint of how to get it done, starting with how do you make sure that you don't take steps back and how do we take steps forward. And then we don't even talk about products or whether or not we're going to work together until meeting four. There may be a little bit of these are the, scenario, the, these are the types of strategies you may want to employ, and meeting three, but meeting four is really the rubber meets the road. What do I need to do to achieve the objectives that we've laid out? And what is, now that we know the roadmap on how to get there, no, no plan works unless you, you actually do it, right? So you can have a blueprint, but unless you start swinging a hammer and building a house, you don't have a house. So meeting four is very much, let's go from there. But it's a, it's a very slow process. It's very important that you treat it as a, as a process or you miss things. Uh, so we're very adamant about sticking to that process. And I'm sure there's things that people don't realize they should be planning for. Yeah, long-term care, uh, life insurance to protect a loved one. You know, I mean, and, and life insurance isn't something that any of us want. Uh, it's not anything that any of us want to really use because in order for, you know, somebody to collect on it, it means you're no longer here. But, you know, did you take that single life payout on your pension? And what happens if you pass away, your wife now or your, your husband has lost that pension income stream. Identifying some things or some, some landmines along the way that you might not have considered when you first came in. So that process of identifying every single possible scenario is critical. We can't remember any of everything. We got to kind of go through the process to make sure we, we check all the boxes. Do you find most of your clients are into uh, wealth growth or asset preservation? Well, you know, the majority of my clients, uh, last I checked, over 90% of them are over the age of 55. So we're certainly in that transitionary period where we're getting more into, I've already gone through the growth phase of my life. It does not mean that I don't want to continue to grow my pot of money, and I certainly don't want to put it under the mattress. But 
Uh, I want to make sure that I've taken the necessary steps to protect my retirement from things like what happened in 2008, 2009, 2001, 2002, et cetera, et cetera. We can just keep going back through time and seeing these these periods in time where it dropped. And we're seeing, you know, I mean, right now, I'm sure we'll talk about. I wouldn't say that we're we're against growth or that the conversation doesn't point toward growth, but it's certainly a risk-adjusted growth is the most common conversation. I love that Aptis Wealth Management supports the Travis Mills Foundation. You know, that was an interesting one for me. I've always been a, um, a staunch supporter of the military in general. Some of my friends, um, some of the people that I would consider to be, uh, you know, my greatest inspirations and heroes are in the military. And through a great friend of mine in, in Maine, I was introduced to uh, Travis uh, through seeing him speak, actually, at a convention. And uh, if you haven't got an opportunity to speak, to, to listen to Travis speak, I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Uh, talk about turning lemons into lemonade. Uh, if you don't know his story, I highly recommend you look it up. He's taken a, a life that I'm not sure any of us could have worked through. Uh, he's one of just a few quadruple amputees uh, in the United States that lived uh, through a war. And he's taken that to raise millions and millions of dollars to help recalibrated veterans. Um, and he does that through a lot of humor, positivity, and just drive. Um, so any, any way I can be a part of that. Um, and a lot of my friends have become very active in that foundation. I'll, I'll gladly do. But uh, in my opinion, the guy is an absolute hero along with many, many others. If you're concerned about the market, want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptis Retirement Blueprint today. The number is 614-364-7300. No cost or obligation, but space does fill fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Besides every Saturday, you could also join Josh Mondays at 12.30 p.m. for Money Mondays. He joins Bruce Hooley every week right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always catch that recording at aptuswealth.com. Over the years on the show, Josh has shared incredible information to help those entering or in retirement plan their golden years. And this week, we're featuring some of the most memorable segments from the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are the questions we should be asking about our 401ks? I think the two that everybody tends to ask, and then I'll get to the one that I think we should be asking. The two that people tend to ask, and if you're you're not, you should be asking these, but is, does my 401k have a match? And if so, how does it work? I would say that while not every 401k has a match, many do, and many individuals that come into my office don't understand the way that it works, and they're not maximizing that match. And 
rightfully so, some of these matches can be incredibly confusing. Like, for example, rather than just saying, we match dollar for dollar on the first 3% of contributions that you make. Well, that's simple enough. I put in 3%, my employer matches 3%. It will be, you know, dollar for dollar on the first 2%, and then 50 cents on the dollar for the next two, and then a quarter percent on the dollar for the next two, and then there's a vesting schedule, and there's all this stuff that goes along with it. The good news about a match is it is free money that you want to take advantage of. If you put in 10% and your employer matches you 5 well, that's a 50% rate of return right out of the gate, whether you put the money in the stock market or you put it in cash. That's fantastic, and it's free money. So you have to understand it, and you have to take advantage of it. But the only way that you'll take advantage of it is if you understand it. And the, the worst that I see is people have a you know, dollar-for-dollar match up to 5%, and they're only putting in 3%. That, that's just leaving free money on the table. So make sure you're taking advantage of the match. Number two would be what are the fees that are associated with my 401k? I think traditionally we like to think of 401ks being very low cost, and large in part they are. Um, they're low cost for reasons. Typically there's very few options, and typically uh, a lot of the options that you have available to you are indexed funds, which certainly have their place, and they're very low fee. However, there are many, particularly small employers, that have very high cost 401k plans. So make sure that you take a, a dive into how much am I paying for my 401k, particularly if your 401k is not offering you a match and the fees are incredibly high, you have to start questioning to yourself, does contributing to my 401k make sense or are there better tax-deferred options out there that I could do on my own? But that doesn't necessarily, those are kind of the two big ones that we hear oftentimes, but there are some other kind of ancillary issues with 401ks that I see, particularly in distribution, but it all comes down to options. In other words, what are my options for investments? What are my options for withdrawals? Overall, just what are my options inside of the 401k? What I usually find is that 401ks do a great job of providing growth options, meaning, again, low fee, I can buy a growth fund at a low fee, or I can buy the S&P 500 at a very low fee, or I can buy you know, the international index at a very low fee. But what about fixed? What about options that provide me guaranteed income for the rest of my life at some future date with no risk? Um, I just had a client in today. They're with the Federal Thrift Savings Plan. The Federal Thrift Savings Plan over the last 12 months, based upon, I think it was through September, so don't quote me on these rates, but it was just over 1%. Their bond or their fixed account was negative. Other than that, the thrift savings plan has growth options. That's it. And by growth, I mean small cap, mid cap stocks, large cap stocks, international stocks. There isn't a, a very well served uh, category of, let's say, I'd like to provide myself a pension stream for the rest of my life. I don't want to be involved in the stock market large in part, but I want to do better than 1%. Well, what about a fixed indexed annuity or a fixed annuity? Not available inside of most 401ks. Now, what that means is there's not a lot of options available for that period of your life where you're getting to the, the one-yard line. I'm, I'm really close to retirement. I want to start really limiting volatility. I want to set myself up for a long-time income stream that I can't outlive. It's very underserved inside of 401ks. On top of that, when you go to retire and you say, you know, I'd like to start taking money out of my 401k, there are many 401ks that will not allow you to decide which fund you take that money from. So, for example, 
you're retired and you'd say, I'd like to take out $10,000 from my 401k, but I'd like to take it exclusively from the fixed account because the market's down or whatever reason. It's just not a great time to take it from the market or growth piece of your portfolio. A lot of 401ks will not allow you to do that. So you are limited to where you draw your money from because they'll just proportionally take it from everywhere, which may be a terrible decision. Then on top of that, and I'll stop at the third one, minimum required distributions are not as uh, easily aggregatable amongst, if that's a word, amongst all of your other retirement accounts. Meaning if you have 10 IRAs, you can take your minimum required distribution from all 10 from one account, which may make sense for that particular year. When it comes to 401ks, they are separate animals. You have to take your minimum required distribution specifically from that. So it can be more difficult in planning in the long run to have a 401k. So moral of the story again, 401ks, typically great low-cost options with a match, but you got to do your homework because there could be a lot of hidden lack of options, uh, hidden gotchas on the back end in the way of distributions, and that low-cost fee thing isn't always the case. And Josh, when people come in and you go through the Aptis blueprint process with them, that is something that you take a look at is how effective their 401ks are. Of course. You know, as a fiduciary, our responsibility is always investigating what you have and determining if it does, in fact, make sense to move. And oftentimes uh, it doesn't. And we'll leave some assets exactly where they are. But the job is to maximize what you have available to you to get you to your goals, uh, not just to try and reallocate dollars into the commissioned sales broker's pocket. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, let's talk about some of the options people have when converting a 401k, the the good and the bad. Sure. And by converting, I'm assuming you mean rolling those funds over to an IRA or a Roth. Yes. So those are the two choices that you really have is, do I want to leave? Well, third choice is sometimes you have the ability to just simply leave your money in the 401k when you retire. Your other option will be, I want to roll over the money to an IRA. And when you roll over the money, you continue the tax deferral. You're not owed the taxes at the time, and you are still subject to the same minimum required distribution rules and all that kind of stuff. But by rolling over those funds, you open up all of the options available to you in anywhere, basically. I mean, that uh, goes from, I'd like to invest it at Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or an insurance company or wherever you want to go. Uh, It is now self-directed is the term. The pros of that is just that I have tons of options. The downside of that is now you get to choose your options. If you don't work with a professional, obviously uh, those options can, or the right professional, quite frankly, those options can be detrimental. They could be high cost. They could be commission-based. They could be not in your best interest necessarily. Or you could go and direct it and say, you know what, I think now's a really good time to buy XYZ stock and cripple yourself because you were wrong. So there are some downsides. The other downside is, you know, could be very expensive proposition in the way of fees, commissions, like I said. So, you know, it's great that we have the option to do it. I'm all for choices. Most clients can benefit greatly from doing it, but that does not mean that it is the removal of all risk. The other option that you have and this is whether it's already in an IRA or you roll it directly to this, is doing a Roth IRA conversion. Everything I just said about rolling to a traditional IRA is still correct, but a Roth IRA conversion can have one additional significant benefit, which could also be a detriment. And that is 
the removal of the tax deferred status. You pay the taxes on the monies today, but then forever moving forward, the money is tax free. So you will never pay taxes on another nickel of gains again after you do a Roth conversion. But you do pay taxes on the amount that you do a Roth conversion on in its entirety today. So give an example, you have $100,000 in your 401k, you want to do a Roth conversion, you pay taxes at your tax rate, or whatever this kicks you into on $100,000 this year. That could make all the sense in the world, or could be a very, very foolish decision. You have to do a lot of math first to see if it makes sense for you. But the benefit would be, if you have that $100,000 in a Roth IRA now for the next 20 years and it grows to $500,000, well, now that $400,000 gain is tax-free to you, tax-free to your beneficiaries forever. So it can be a huge advantage. Everything else still, still applies. Is it the right investment or the fees right? Did you go with the right uh, you know, investment advisor or did you make the decision yourself, make a foolish decision? So there's a lot of things to, to tussle with, but all of these options are great tools that we can use where appropriate. And it's really important. Uh, for example, my accountant always says, refer to your financial advisor. So it's really important for people listening to understand that it's really convenient that you have tax advisors that you work with closely and can recommend and you work as a team on a client's portfolio and tax situation. Yeah, not only that, you know, I owned a tax practice for a, a long time. And yeah, unfortunately, what your tax pro just said oftentimes is met with the flip side of that. And that is when you go to your financial advisor and you say, well, what should I do to help myself tax-wise? My tax person said to call you, and they say, well, we don't do taxes. Go talk to your tax person, and you're left kind of holding the bag. We certainly work very closely with tax advisors. We do a lot of tax planning in my office, and uh, you know, I think we, we very oftentimes get caught up in the what's my rate of return when, in fact, there's two pieces to that puzzle. Not only what's my rate of return, but what did it cost me in taxes? And taxes saved should really be chalked up in the column of interest earned. Okay, and this is something that you go through with the in the Aptus Blueprint process when someone calls your office. All of it's covered. Yeah, every time. So, Josh, you cover this in the Aptus Blueprint process when someone calls your office and uh, is meeting with you for the first time to decide whether or not they want to work with you. Of course, we cover everything that we've been talking about today. So, from you know, is my four hundred one k uh, a low fee 401k with a lot of options? Or should I be looking elsewhere to what can I do to improve my tax situation? How can I invest tax efficiently? Which if there's two questions that people have very high on their mind right now, it's how do I minimize taxes moving forward? Because most people that we meet with believe that tax rates are going to go up over the next couple of years. And two, how do I make sure that my plan combats inflation? Because most people that we're meeting with believe that current governmental spending and the effects of COVID, et cetera, are going to lead to continued inflation. Not just what we've seen over the last 12 months, but continued inflation. So part of our blueprint process is making sure that we have those items covered for you, along with all of the other things that go along with planning, like long-term care planning, 
you know, how do we make sure that our monies get to our beneficiaries as efficiently as possible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That number again is 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can find that recording at aptuswealth.com. More from the best of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick after this. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. This week, we're featuring some of the most memorable segments from all this year. Here's another listener favorite from the Aptus Audio Archives. If you'd like to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So let's get things started. Josh, cryptocurrency, everyone talking about it. If they're not, if, if no one is talking to you about cryptocurrency yet, they will be soon. I promise you that. So let's talk about what you think about Bitcoin and, and is it Deutschcoin and, and all the other coins? Did I mispronounce that? You know, your guess is as good as mine, but crypto works. And I just got a, a swift kick in the pants in the crypto department just uh, just this week, as a matter of fact. I I do some speaking around at different universities, and, and several years ago, going back about, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, I spoke at Franciscan University, and then as a result of that, uh, there was a bunch of, uh, there were a few students that were doing a thesis on cryptocurrencies. And this is, if you think back, you know, five, six years ago, and I might be off on my timeline, but it was really back in the infancy of cryptocurrency. And they kind of interviewed me and gave, gave me, uh, had me give them my thoughts on what I thought cryptocurrency was going to become. And ultimately, at the end of that, I said, while I think that it will be an incredibly volatile market, which turns out was pretty accurate, uh, I think it certainly has legs. I think crypto is here to stay. I think it's a viable alternative, much like you know buying physical metals, perhaps. And I think it'll be a good long-term investment if you can handle the swings. We kind of had this conversation about, well, should we buy some? And I said, yeah, if you allocate a little bit into it. Well, at the time, the professor actually bought 100 Bitcoin. And at the time, it was like, you know, a thousand bucks. I'm probably exaggerating, but not much money. Uh, he just called me this week to ask me uh, how happy I was with my Bitcoin purchase. And I said, I, I kind of just forgot. I never ended up buying it. I, I, and now he's got, you know, $4 million in Bitcoin off Ooh. of just a couple, a couple thousand bucks. So uh, your question is uh, kind of kicking me while I'm down a little bit. So thanks for that. <laughs> but what do I think about cryptocurrency? Do I think it's here to stay? Yes. Uh, I absolutely think it is here to stay. Are there different advantages and disadvantages to all the different, uh, you know, Bitcoin versus Ethereum versus XYZ, whoever it is? There certainly are differences, but ultimately the concept or the ideology of cryptocurrency is for sure here and it's not going anywhere. The real issue that I see with cryptocurrency is the same thing that I said five or six years ago, which is the volatility. If you look at Bitcoin, for example, just this past week, um, Bitcoin in one day uh, went from, I believe it was $43,000 of Bitcoin, 
down to 30,000 of Bitcoin in 24 hours. So can you handle that level of volatility? And can you really consider it a cash alternative with that level of volatility? While it is a quote-unquote cash alternative, I would put it in the asset class of a risky, volatile investment, much like think those ancillary satellite investments even beyond the volatility of, a, of an emerging markets or something like that. So do I think it has a place in portfolios? Yes. To what capacity? You know, that, that 5% or under that you're really taking some risk with and you know that it's going to be a volatile, bouncy road, but I'm going to set it aside over here. It's liquid. I can use it to transact business per perhaps in the future. And um, I know that, you know, some places take it now, but it also offers me potentially some inflation protection, which is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now. So it has a lot of benefits, but the detriment is going to be that volatility. And can you handle that heat? Because, man, I, uh, I know a lot of people are saying they've made a lot of money in Bitcoin because they're playing with a thousand or two thousand. But really, an investment becomes an investment and not a game of gambling when you're willing to put larger chunks of money. You know, you're worth $500,000 and you say, I'm willing to put $50,000 of that 500 in Bitcoin. I don't know a lot of people that are there yet. What about dollar cost averaging with Bitcoin? Yeah, I think that's a good strategy, just like everything else. I think, you know, you purchase into the dips, um, consistent purchases along the way. You know, fortunately, if you go to a lot of these online uh, methodologies, you don't have to buy a full Bitcoin, of course, so you can buy fractions. So you can get into Bitcoin for a very low dollar amount. Would it be a smart strategy to dollar cost average in? Uh, a much better strategy in leveling out those ups and downs than it would be to just dump the full Monty and right out of the gate. I know one football player asked to be uh, paid for by in, in Bitcoin. So can we see that happening more in the future, likely? Yeah, I think you'll start to see a lot of it. And I know the story that you're talking about because he uh, he took his contract and didn't spend the Bitcoin. And the contract ended up being way larger than anticipated because of the appreciation of the Bitcoin. I can't remember the name of the player. But it was pretty pretty famous news when it came out that he he did it that way. But um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure when it'll uh, reach worldwide acceptance. Um, you know, Tesla has been in a, a little bit of a, a back and forth uh, opinion on Bitcoin. But I think until, you know, remember, if we're receiving cash for a good, we don't want to receive cash that could change in value by 30% over 24-hour periods. So the only companies that are really going to be comfortable taking Bitcoin, I believe, currently will be ones that are very bullish on Bitcoin and have the financial wherewithal to weather the storm if they're wrong in the short run, or individuals that feel that way. But when you look at, like, let's say a Walmart, which is, you know, we're buying things for $2 and selling them for $2.20, do you really want to take the risk and the volatility, the currency risk of Bitcoin at this point? I doubt it, uh, but time will tell. And it's uh, Sean Culkin with the Kansas City Chiefs. Our producer, Mike, looked that up. I couldn't remember. There you go. Either. Yeah, I, yeah I remember reading the story. I know listeners are out there, you know, just yelling the name at the radio. So that's, that's what it is. I mean, do we ever see the dollar devaluing because Bitcoin becomes more popular? I don't know that the dollar will devalue as a result of Bitcoin becoming more popular. But I do think we're running a very strong risk of the dollar devaluing period as a result of our monetary policy. And Ray Dalio, Bridgewater Capital, very famous. I think they manage something like, you know, 100 or $200 billion. They're the largest hedge fund in the United States or maybe even the world. Um, he's been very vocal about this as of late with monetary policy, stimulus spending, the potential for the dollar to, to be taken away as the world reserve currency. 
um, while I don't know that all of those things will happen or that we're at any risk of the dollar not being the world currency anytime soon, I think that, you know, stimulus spending, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is certainly going to lower the value of the dollar. And if you can't figure out ways to invest those dollars to overcome inflation, well, then essentially you're going backwards, not forwards, or even treading water and remaining the same. So is Bitcoin one of the options along with gold and you know, treasury inflation protected securities uh, or tips or investing in the stock market and dividend paying stocks. All of these things are great strategies. And I think it, it takes a combination of a lot of different things to manage risk effectively while minimizing the risk of inflation, or at least uh, minimizing the impact to your life of inflation and making sure that you're moving forward and not backwards. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Uh, To learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And Josh, you say the dollar is the world currency. What if that changes? Is it worth it to look at other currencies to invest in? Um, Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, if it changes, it would be uh, very detrimental, if not catastrophic, to the U.S. dollar. Now, we've been talking about, and I say we, everybody's been talking about the potential of the U.S. dollar being pulled as the world currency for decades. Um, do I think it's you know right around the corner? No. Do I think it would be rather egotistical of us to say that we we will never be uh, contested for the U.S. War, or for the world currency? I think that would be uh, rather egotistical. I mean, I think that's it's always a possibility if other um, economies become as strong as the dollar, if they're uh, as strong as the U.S., if their dollar becomes as stable as the U.S. dollar has been historically, then there's always a risk of that. Um, does that mean that we should invest in other currencies? Uh, it's a strategy. It's a risky strategy, and it's one that you should approach carefully and cautiously. But there are some ETFs and funds that do a pretty decent job of that. And again, that could all be a part of all of these different strategies working in unison to help protect against currency risk. So you have to not, there's no magic bullet. There's no, I'm going to go pick, you know, I'm going to invest all my money in the Swiss francs and I'll be safe. No, that could be the worst decision possible, uh, possibly the worst decision you can make. So you have to look at it on a daily basis and then find professionals who operate within those particular categories and employ them to manage that particular pocket of money. Let's go through the Aptus Blueprint process when a client calls your office. What are the steps and stages you go through when talking with a new client? So step one is is our discovery phase. And and the purpose of meeting number one is just to learn everything about you. What are your fears? And maybe currency risk is one of those. Maybe inflationary risk is one of them. But then also, what are your goals, objectives? What do you want to achieve? What does retirement look like for you? If, in fact, retirement's the goal, maybe it's just financial independence and doing something different. But what is it that you want to do? What are your fears? And what have you currently been doing to achieve those goals? So how much are you saving? What are your assets, et cetera? It is a giant info gathering meeting to set us up for meeting number two, which we call the analysis meeting. And the purpose of that is just to simply analyze what you're doing currently. Um, Use that as an educational platform to teach you about risk, where you're at. Essentially, will your arrow hit the target? And what are some things that could get in the way of that occurring? And then in meeting number three, which we call the blueprint meeting, we are going to look at all of those areas of potential risk or shortcomings in your plan, address them and give you an actionable blueprint to act upon, to fix those problems and make sure that there are as 
few speed bumps along the way of your, to your road to whatever goal it is that you have as possible. And then not until meeting number four do we decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Is it one that's going to stand the test of time and we feel uh, is a good fit? And at that point, we you know fill out paperwork and all the necessary stuff to get that started. Let's talk about the three-legged stool approach. Yeah, you know, this is a very common thing, or at least historically has been, but I feel like people's stools, if you want to use that in, uh, metaphor analogy, are starting to get a little bit uh, a little bit lean on legs. Uh, you know, there was a time when everybody had a pension, Social Security, and then their savings was just the third leg on the stool. Now people are very concerned about the viability of Social Security. Most people don't have a pension, but what they do have is maybe a 401k, and they are heavily reliant on that one leg. Well, if you've ever tried to sit on a one-legged stool, it doesn't stand up very well unless your balance is completely on point. So the takeaway here is we have to figure out through planning, how can we add those legs back to the stool? And they could be a myriad of things, real estate, et cetera, et cetera. But we want to make sure that we have varying uh, sources of income, and that's part of our planning process. When we come back, we're going to talk about performances of uh, 401ks. You're listening to the Aptus Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. This week, we're featuring some of the most memorable segments from all this year. Here's another listener favorite from the Aptus Audio Archives. Josh, what are the most important questions to ask when it comes to planning for long-term care in retirement? Well, I want to dispel a myth first. I I oftentimes, when I talk to clients, they go, I'm not going into long-term care. I don't need to worry about it. It's not happening to me. And while you very well might be right, stats kind of paint you into a corner. There's about a 50-50 shot today by all accounts that all of us are going to end up in a long-term care facility. Now, that's a coin flip. That's a little stronger than it was even 10 or 15 years ago when it used to be about one in four, one in five. So the chances of us going into some sort of long-term care facility have gone up dramatically. And the costs, I actually just met with a client the other day and she asked me how much does a typical long-term care facility cost? And I've been using this number for a really long time. In, in Ohio, it's about seven or $8,000 a month. Um, but I actually looked it up. And in the United States, it's about $255 a day, which is just over $93,000 a year uh, on average to pay in a long-term care facility. Now, if you want a semi-private room or even a private room, that number just goes up. So when you think long-term care, if you want to be in your own room, which I would guess most of us would prefer if we had the choice, the number is even higher. It's a six-figure number. 
And that number is going up dramatically. Um, it's projected by 2030 that the cost will be between 125 and 142,000 roughly per year. So the problem isn't going away. Now, the questions that I would ask is, you know, what are the costs in my area? Number one, uh, what are my options, really? You know, I know that now that we've just kind of decided that it is a situation that we have to address, what questions do I have to ask and what are my options? Question number one, now that we know the likelihood of me going into a facility, how long on average am I going to be in said facility? And it used to be a lot longer than it is today. It used to be about slightly less than three-year average stay. It's only about 18 months now, so we're talking about a year and a half. And that's great because that's, um, you know, obviously we don't want to be in a long-term care facility for a long period of time, but also it's more financially uh, manageable. The unfortunate reality about that 18-month number is it's an inverse bell curve, meaning that uh, people usually go in and stay for a very short period of time or the dreaded, you know, memory ward that wing of the particular long-term care facility, think Alzheimer's, dementia, et cetera. Those folks can be in there a long time. So the challenge in managing and the question that I would ask would be, I want to have a long-term care plan. I don't want to spend my entire living funding it, but I want to make sure that I have all the options available possible. I want to address as much as I possibly can without sacrificing my retirement, but I want to make sure that I can pay for home care as opposed to going into a facility. I want to make sure that um, if I go into a facility and I leave and then go back in, is that also covered? I want to make sure that I can pick whatever facility I want to go to. I don't want to turn into a debt collector, meaning I go into a facility and they tell me that I have to pay $8,000 this month. I pay the 8000 and then I have to go back to an insurance company to justify the 8000 that I spent. I want a policy that just the second that I am deemed unable to live on my own and I qualify by most long-term care policies, by the way, qualify by you, by you not being able to do two of six activities of daily living. Once I hit that threshold, I just want you to start paying me. And also, how do trusts incorporate in all this? I guess my, my point is, one of the questions I should ask for long-term care planning is, what is the difference between me utilizing trust work and attorneys versus getting a traditional long-term care policy versus getting a hybrid policy and I want to make sure that I don't have to wrestle with an insurance company if I get any of those policies to get myself paid, regardless of whether or not I'm in a traditional long-term care facility or I'm getting home health care. Is there a policy that you can pay into in case you need long-term health care? And if you don't, you get the money back. Yeah, I mean, that's really the, the, the kind of new way of handling long-term care. I hate to use the word new because it's been around for the better part of a decade, but it is not traditional long-term care. It's called a hybrid policy. And that hybrid policy solves a lot of the problems that people hate about traditional long-term care. The problem with traditional long-term care is I pay into it. I pay a premium every single year and that premium can go up. So in other words, if the insurance company says, you know, we're paying out more than we thought we were going to, much like auto insurance, we're going to raise your premium and you have no cost control over that. And then I can pay in for my whole life and never go into a facility and the insurance company doesn't even have the, uh, the couth to send me a thank you letter for paying all my premiums and not getting a darn thing out of it. I literally just threw them down the drain. A hybrid policy, on the other hand, is a life insurance policy with long-term care benefits. Now, don't think life insurance policy in the terms of 
I really want to buy this great life insurance policy because if something happens to me, I want to take care of my family. So I'm really leveraging the amount of money that I put in, meaning I put in $5,000 a year and get a million dollars worth of benefit. That's not the case at all. Think about putting in $100,000 one time, and my death benefit on my life insurance policy is only maybe $150,000. So it's not great. But in the event that I go into a long-term care facility, let's say for argument's sake, you had $500,000 worth of long-term care benefit. Now, I'm just spitballing these numbers from the hip. These are not a real policy, to be clear. But the numbers paint the picture for us. So I'm taking $100,000 that maybe is sitting in a cash checking account. I have that money because it makes me feel good. It's my safety net. I put that money into a policy that gives me $150,000 death benefit. So if I pass away today, somebody gets 150 grand. Well, that's better than 100. But if I go to a long-term care facility, I have leveraged those dollars dramatically for the purposes of long-term care. But some of those policies even have an additional value, and that is something called return of premium. Meaning if at any point I decide I want to change my mind, I can get a significant ma- amount, even perhaps the full $100,000 back that I put in. So I'm leveraging money that I'm using as a safety net for the purposes of long-term care. Now, did it solve all those problems? And yes, you can annual pay that as well. But did it solve all those problems? Well, if I don't use it, I don't lose it. It goes to my beneficiaries. If I need it, I can get back at least a significant portion of it. And it also affords me a long-term care benefit. So hybrid policies are, quite frankly, the only ones that we really discuss in my office Um, The other concept of traditional long-term care is just a really, really difficult thing to justify uh, in today's world. Josh, is there a magic number to aim for when thinking about self-funding long-term health care costs? You know, there's a couple ways to look at that. You know, and I've seen a lot of arbitrary numbers out there, like it's going to cost a million five uh, in long-term care. The thing, uh, similarly, you asked me a question early on about things that financial advisors say that I disagree with. I think that's one of them. And the reason being, I hate using numbers that are so dramatic that cover all your bases that make them unfeasible for almost everybody to handle. Meaning if I told you no problem, as long as you have two and a half million dollars for the long-term care benefits, you're absolutely taken care of. The the cost to cover that would be so insurmountable that nobody would do anything. So I think it's discouraging. In reality, I think we have to come up with a personalized plan for everybody. Meaning, Well, how much do you have in Social Security benefits? How much do you have in a potential pension? How much do you have in retirement benefits? And how are we going to utilize? In other words, if you're not married, you know, once you're in a long-term care facility, if you're not providing for anybody else, you could theoretically use 100% of your retirement savings if you weren't trying to leave an estate behind. So how much money do you have that we can allocate to long-term care? And then furthermore, what gap do we have? Or how much do we want to cover if we do want to leave an estate? So it's a very personalized process. So I can't answer that question specifically and say everybody should have a long-term care policy that has a $300,000 benefit. Because quite frankly, some people should not allocate resources to purchase a long-term care policy because it will either jeopardize their retirement or they have they have so, many, so much in the way of assets that they don't need to leverage it if they don't want to. So it's very, very personal, but it's important that we, just like everything else that we talk about on this show, that we uncover those stones, we turn those stones over and see how it applies to you and make sure we have a plan that will work for you and do everything that you want it to do. So when you get to long-term care, if you get to that point, you know exactly what your plan entails. So this is a question that may scare people into 
thinking about this. What happens if you run out of money while you're in a long-term care facility? Do they just kick you out and where do you go in America? That's a great question. Uh, so currently, Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicare pays for retirees' uh, medical benefits. Medicaid is the other side of the house that pays for individuals' medical care who cannot afford their own care. Currently, if you are broke or what they deem to be destitute, and there's a criteria, but I assure you it's a low number, then Medicaid picks up the tab. Unfortunately, not all facilities are Medicaid friendly. And one of the big concerns or challenges moving forward is as baby boomers get older and older and older, and the need for some of those baby boomers to go to long-term care starts to exist, then will the facility uh, capacity that we have currently be enough to cover it? And moreover, will there be enough Medicaid-friendly facilities to cover it? And one of the worst scenarios that you could probably encounter is you have to go to a long-term care facility. Obviously, very emotional time, something that none of us wants to do, but you have to go. And you go into a facility that you really, really like, and it's working out well. You've turned that into your home. You have friends there. You know the people who are uh, helping you there in the way of nurses, et cetera. And then you run out of money, and it is not a Medicaid-friendly facility, and you have to find another facility. You're essentially getting kicked out of your home yet again. So there are some challenges that are associated with that. But it is important to note that, at least today, Medicaid is the backstop. Whether or not that can continue uh, amongst governmental spending, amongst the underfunding, Medicaid and Medicare are more underfunded than Social Security, just to give you a perspective. So how that will be handled in the future, I don't think solely relying on it is necessarily the most logical plan, but having it as part of the plan absolutely makes sense. And I'm sure that these facilities with Medicaid or Medicare are, are backed up. There's probably waiting lists. Well, I'm sure it depends on the area of the country that you're in. But, you know, also, you know, where you want to be located could be a challenge. You know, if you want to be close to your kids, but there's no medical uh, Medicaid friendly facility that's close to your children, if you have children that has any availability, well, then that's a problem. So now we're talking about the potential of moving multiple times over time to get there. It can just become a challenging thing. And again, I don't want to say that it's a bad approach to have Medicaid cover the tab. Uh, matter of fact, you know, one of the very popular approaches is use trust work to make yourself look like you qualify for Medicaid, even though in reality you have more assets than is reflected on the Medicaid uh, application process. Um, that's not necessarily a bad approach, and a lot of attorneys would point you in that direction. But at the same time, you want to have multiple plans in the event of, and if you have the financial wherewithal to do it, will combine and incorporate and integrate all of these different plans together to give you the most options at that time. If you have questions, call Josh. His number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Again, you can hear Josh not only on this show, but every Monday at 1230 as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays right here on 98.9 The Answer. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614 614- 
364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.